Hey, Teresa, why did the man have issues with traveling? I don't know. Why? He just had so much baggage. It's Schmanners! <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hello. Oh, good, there are people here. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Um, I can't, I can never remember how the show starts. Hello, Internet. What do I say? Hello, Internet. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, Whoa. dear. Whoa. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> Maybe back away from the mic a little I can't do that. <laughs> I'm going to have to. Oh, no. I'm too aggressive. What else is new? That I meant in like, recording. Okay. He's very yeah, loud. Sounds... Ooh. Hi, everybody. So, this is Schmanners. Does anyone here not know what the show is? Cool. Well, I see I some hands. Okay. Great. Well, so like we said... This is a hardcore... <laughs> <laughs> like we said in our intro, uh, this is extraordinary etiquette for ordinary, ordinary occasions. And when I say that, I mean everyday situations. Uh, we go through kind of the history of things. And we're super judging. No, we are not. And then We really make you feel bad about what you don't know. We go over questions, and I quote Emily Post a lot. So um, and and I, I wanted to go through that, because we're going to be talking today about tourism, how to be a, a polite and schmannerly tourist. Um, and there Because we... We did some tourism things we yesterday. Did, and we'll talk about that, too. We did. Um, but uh, there will be a portion of the show in which we will be taking audience questions. So be thinking about those as we go along. And we have mics uh, somewhere. There. What? There. No, those, no, are, those audience. are audience mics. Oh, no. We have, we have the... There's a wireless the backstage wireless. that I dropped we'll on get. the ground like a monster. Um, Placed gently on the ground. All right. Well, we'll see. History will prove <laughs> one of us right. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about tourism, uh, but we are also uh, going to have, I think for the first time in Schmanner's history, going to have a guest. Woo! I'm very excited. Well, we had Sydney on when we did the Jaeger Symposium. Um, she helped us with, uh, with some medical definitions. We talked about farts. <laughs> um, but I'm very excited to have this guest on because she is my best friend because I did her podcast, which is called Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. And that is how we became best friends. Um, and also, she is great. And if you couldn't tell by the title of her show, our guest is Allison Rosen. <laughs> Hello, Allison. Come on out. Hi. Audience, Allison. Hello. Allison, audience. It is wonderful to meet each and every one of you, not you. Ooh, I don't know why. I do why? crowd work now. <laughs> Wait, your crowd work is just like calling someone out, though. Yeah, is that not how they do it? That's, not how That's crowd what I've work. seen. Yeah, I really like, like to turn hey, the crowd against. Hey, where are you from? Me. Joke about that town. Uh -huh. That's how it works. And then Perfect. just point at someone and go, "Boo!" Don't like you. <laughs> so, Allison, did you get a chance to do any touristy activities here in San Francisco? I um I did not actually. It's been mostly just Sketchfest 
and mm-hmm. trying to sleep in because like you guys, I have a baby. And so this is one of my first opportunities to sleep in. But uh, the baby's not because here. the baby's not here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, the rule is when we all go to San Francisco, I don't take care of you. That's it. (laughs) How long have you had that rule? (laughs) Before pregnancy, even. Okay. Yeah, I just said there's one place where it's not happening, parent-wise, and that is the city of brotherly love. What's it called? No, No, the city, city by the bay. I think that's actually the San Francisco motto: is the city where it's not happening. (laughs) Not happening. Not happening, parent-wise. Um, yeah. So I'm sort of uh, bummed that I didn't get to do the touristy things. But you, you you have the touristy thing of worrying about your suitcase, which is breaking. It broken. Yeah. So as well, okay. I don't know where the arc is. (laughs) It's a spectrum Uh from. Not broken uh-huh. to broken, uh-huh. and it is like right around here in the breaking zone. Um, I was zipping up my and I was running a little bit late, so zipping up my suitcase, thinking I gotta get everything in. Although it's really not that overstuffed, I'm gonna go into. I'm gonna use a word that I heard you use on a podcast recently. I'm gonna go into granular detail. Okay, about Exciting. this because it's. Fascinating. I'm, I'm um, ready. Anyway, went to zip it up and noticed on the corner that the zipper started pulling away from the, I don't know, zipper terminology, <laughs> but the thick fabric that is on the either side of a zipper. Does anyone know what that is called? We're going to call it a runner. Right. It started pulling away from the runner. <laughs> and then I thought, uh-oh, is this going to keep r- running <laughs> um, and is all my stuff going to be going to be uh, taken excommunicated from the suitcase? Oh, we're getting so technical now. <laughs> yeah, Slow down. I know. She did say granular detail. I know. Does anyone know? Anyone who majored in zippers and runners? Does anyone know? <laughs> I have to assume the Swiss Army people who I think made this suitcase. Who fuck, do we curse? Well, I'll edit it out. F them. Okay. Uh, but I have to assume that they would have chosen some kind of non-running runner. Yeah. Because that, if it was like pantyhose strength, that'd be dumb. Right. Yes. But yes. it's still causing me to panic. And in fact, when, uh, when I realized this could come up on the podcast because we're talking about travel, I was very relieved because it's all I can think about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did do some touristy stuff um, because last year, this is my story, last year I was here for Sketchfest and it was uh, my second time and I still had not seen anything of the city. And I was like, you know what? I'm flying out Sunday. I'm going to wake up early, go do some tourist stuff. And so what I chose to do was go to Fisherman's Wharf really early in the morning. Because that's when people are fishing, because right? Literally, that was my logic. <laughs> Fishermen wake up early, so it will be open. So it was 7 a.m. on a Sunday. It was not open. And I was walking around uh, with all of my possessions, suitcase laptop bag and a pocket full of dreams um, <laughs> just looking at a bunch of empty shops and so I ended up not uh, getting to experience Fisherman's I War. don't even think the sea lions are awake at 7 no, a.m. They were very judgmental and 
Uh, I did, luckily, my Lyft driver was very nice and drove me by the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> he said, look, there's the bridge. Check it, great. Um, so this year we did, we went down to Pier 39, or yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. The and the aquarium. Pier, yes. Yeah, the aquarium, the sea lions. Uh, I think that our daughter, Bibi, who is 15 months old, she enjoyed the aquarium. Uh, she did not enjoy the sea lions. Didn't get it. Didn't see the appeal. She, she didn't have com- a problem with it. She just wasn't interested. Completely in nonplussed. She sounds like a real cool customer. Yeah, she's hard to please. <sighs> it, it is a thing that happens a lot with babies where you think like, oh, they're going to love this. And then you take them to it and their reaction is like, this isn't registering as anything to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This was the first time taking to an aquarium because we do a lot of live shows. So I've been to aquariums all over this great country. It's a solid kid activity in every city. Because it's inside, it's usually cool uh, and, and like temperature-wise. And, and it's usually also, cool. <laughs> totally. And also kind of dark. So if they need a nap, you can just push them around in the stroller and they'll sleep. It's really great. And this is the first time that BB kind of registered like that something was going on and it was interesting. Um, which for our daughter means, <laughs> which would really kind of break the very pleasant mood of other kids like, look at this show. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, she is very enthusiastic in her enjoyments. Uh, or she just blows raspberries all the time. It's one of those two Aww. things. She's great. She learned from the best. And here she is now. No, no, no. She's not. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> So uh, let me tell you about uh, some historical context regarding tourism. Um, So the tourism business is probably over 2,000 years old. Um, I almost did a spit take just now, but just for comedic effect, not because I was surprised, but I was like, oh, it's perfect. I'm at Sketchfest. I can do it. And then I thought, I'll ruin this microphone. (laughs) So I didn't do it. But I want you all to kind of like edit it in your minds later. Like, and then Travis did a spit take, and if you say it to yourselves enough, eventually, it'll become true. Do the same with my crowd work. <laughs> Man, it killed. It was so, so good. good. It oh, went on boy. for like two hours, yeah. and every second was better than a the last. A whole show of just crowd work. So back in ancient Rome, <laughs> um, this was uh, where the leisure class had decided that they would rather spend their summers you know, outside of the festering cities um, and took to the countryside. Um, So this is where, like, the industry kind of sprang up because the Romans had really great roads. Everybody knows this, right? Like the Roman road? No. No? You know, if it was a track in Mario Kart, you'd know it. (laughs) Read a book. I'm going to start being very confrontational. I learned from Allison. I'm just going to be really confrontational with the crowd from now on. Come on, you didn't know that? So, um, and while the empire flourished, so did tourism. But as soon as the empire stopped upkeeping the way to get to places, um, there weren't people who were really going there. Um, Especially once we hit, in Europe, the medieval era, era, sorry, um, where roads were highly unsafe. Um, because of brigands. <laughs> Rapscallions. Roustabouts. Thieves. Like, like, right. Thieves? Okay. Thieves. <laughs> I'm going to go. The one exception to this was pilgrimages, uh, made famous by Chaucer's Canterbury Tales. 
um, which really are a good picture as far as kind of this tourism mindset goes because not only are they they're on a journey to a place that uh, they definitely want to see, right? Hypothetically. I mean, they're not real. <laughs> it's a documentary. What? <laughs> it's pre Wait, are they real? I've never read it. Are they real? No. Oh. They're not based on real people, but real people did do pilgrimages. I, I sit corrected. <laughs> um, Thank you. And... <laughs> And they, uh, not only were they interested in the destination, but they wanted to be entertained along the way, which is why they tell stories to each other and had that kind of contest. Am, am I really, is it too nerdy to know about the Canterbury Tales? No. no? Okay, great. I mean, yeah. These two, fine. they're looking well, the, at the me The only reference like, I have for oh, Chaucer yeah? is, I think Chaucer is in A Knight's Tale, right? <laughs> Which is way cooler to reference than the Canterbury Tales. In fact, the old English word, uh, holigeg, uh, is where holiday derives from. Old English, Chaucer wrote in Old English. You're looking at me like you don't know. Wait, understand. what's the word? Holigeg? Holigeg. I'm going to start using that. That and brigand, which, and I'm a, I think of myself as a word person. I've never heard brigand before. You've never heard brigand? No. Oh, brigand. Yeah. No, but still no. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I was saying it wrong. And it means thief? Yeah, it's like a rapscallion, a roustabout. <laughs> a ne'er-do-well. Yeah, I get it. A ne'er-do-well. It. Love a it. A raconteur. No, that's it's something not different. Same. A raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm right. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's fast forward. Uh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Hundreds of years. Uh, to really the tourism that we know of today. And like a lot of things... Well, I, if I might interrupt you, okay. because I'm a man. Sure. Um, <laughs> I expected that. Um, I also, I love, because you, you mentioned not only is tourism about getting to a location, but it is also the, the uh, venue, the, the things that spring up around it. Right. Very rarely is it about the destination. Because you get to a city and you're like, okay, I'm here now. Now I have to do stuff. And that's, that's what, not that, it's not, I guess what I'm saying is it's not really about the destination. It's much as about the journey. That's if you think so about catchy. it, thank you. I'm going to make a poster. Also, something about footprints in sand. Yeah. I don't have that one nailed down yet. Right. Keep workshopping that one. I'm going to do, um, what do you think about this? Okay. Hang in there. And it's like Seems a kitten. violent. Oh, okay. Kitten, yeah. No, you're no. It's not that. Not you're going too dark. Okay. This is both of these children. posters I would buy in a seaside shack <gasps> as a tourist. See, and it all circles back. Hey, I got applause for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, like a lot of things, modern day tourism really gets its stem from the Victorian era. Uh, yeah. Ooh, it, anyone woo! here from the Victorian era? <laughs> Some more crowd work, Allison. <laughs> Sorry, what? More, more crowd work for oh. the Victorians in the audience. Do some jokes about Victorian era. I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> I think you keep pointing at the same person. No. I'm, I am keeping it concentrated on this side of the stage mm-hmm. just so I have something to work towards over here. But I it was see. different people. So you're going to slowly move yes. stage left. Get ready. I have derision for uh, enough. 
I can spread it around. Perfect. Nice. So uh, the Victorians, um, like, a, like a lot of our modern traditions that stem from them, uh, they were very interested in this idea of um, kind of enlightenment in their culture. Uh, also, the cities were really disgusting and gross because of the Industrial Revolution there in Europe. And, and also, they dumped their poop on the streets? Yes. That the, yeah, that's right, time. That's why things were pretty gross. I mean, that's not only why, but that was the fall. Don't dump your poop in the street, and things are a little bit better. Where were they taking the dumps that were being dumped into the street? Well, they would, they would dump into a bowl, and then dump the, the bowl. Pot. Sure, mm. if you want to get fancy. <laughs> Sometimes you only have the one bowl. <laughs> and they would dump it to it. And then they would dump it again, and that's why it's called dumps. That's no. really what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> Although towards the end of the Victorian era, there was indoor plumbing. I mean, not in Victoria's castle, which was gross. Uh, but wait, there wasn't in the castle. They were like, no, no, those things were highly antiquated. So like, there was castles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they didn't like retrofit them with with plumbing until I think Windsor Castle didn't get plumbing until like 1915. I love that you just know that. Yes, are you I a historian? Watch. Are you an historian? <laughs> no, I watch a lot of British documentaries on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the same thing. That's also where, and I think Mira talked about it on Shannon's before, but my favorite trope of British uh, documentaries where someone will walk into frame, turn towards the thing, and say, like, oh, and that was how they put pipes in, and then walk off the <laughs> other side of the screen as if you've just caught them, like, oh, hello. What's that you want to know about? Okay. Uh, and Okay, I'm going to keep going. Bye. We should turn that into a drinking game. Yeah, every time somebody does the walkthrough, like, oh. Uh, yeah, so they use chamber pods. <laughs> I do watch that many documentaries that I could a do a, a drinking game. A lot. Anyway, um, so uh, in order to uh, get away from the hustle and bustle of the city... And the poop. And the poop. <laughs> um, the, the newly created kind of middle class, upper middle class, would uh, escape to health spas and spring waters and things like that. And... Um, if you listen to Sawbones, uh, a lot of the stuff that they did did not work, but they yeah, did. Yeah, they were drinking water for cancer. Yeah, didn't work. Didn't work. Um, but they did start to develop this kind of tourism mindset where they wanted to travel the globe, sometimes years at a time, in uh, not only for this enlightenment I was talking about, but also for their health. My doctor says I need to go to the sea for my health. I Things need a like drier that. climate. I mean, drier climate for my health. Things like uh, tuberculosis, people were often sent away for, things like that. Um, so the tourism industry kind of sprung up around this idea of health and wellness, a lot like some of the stuff we do today. Like what, Teresa? Uh, oh, you didn't have anything? I thought you were setting up. I thought that was a train. I misread that one. That one's on me, you guys. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, we went to one. Uh, in in California here, there's Ojai, oh. which is a, a Hi. <laughs> which is a bye everybody, <laughs> a very tiny little town that has blossomed for like this resort feeling that it has, and a lot of that stuff happened in Europe, uh, like um, 
for, ex for example, in Bath, the waters of Bath were often used as kind of a health tonic, and people traveled there. Jane Austen stayed there for a long time. Name dropper. <laughs> I, I will also say there's also the, the, uh, the Arizona vortexes that yep. people travel mm -hmm. to, um, which I actually think somehow manages to do less than drinking water. Probably. <laughs> That's my stance on vortexes. <laughs> Don't at me. Um, so Are there any vortexes oh. here tonight? <laughs> Anybody from the vortex? Uh, so this didn't really uh, become part of everyone's lives. It was really just for like the, the upper middle class of Europeans. Didn't really permeate society until the 1960s. This is when we really start to see this boom of tourism and like destination because of things like uh, jets taking people in you know less than 12 hours across to Europe, things like that. And then boots that are made for walking. Boots mm -hmm. made for that walking. Happened. Also in the 60s. Mm -hmm. Super cool cars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot more weed. <laughs> I don't know why that helped, but it did. Um, they took trips in their mind, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was a way better joke. I should have made that one. Uh, okay, edit that into your minds <laughs> that I made that joke. Um, but that was also. You're making the audience do a lot of editing work. <laughs> I didn't do it. Um, I, it. There was also the time, because uh, you mentioned airplanes. We talked about this in our. Uh, we did travel episodes about airplanes, cars, trains, and boats. That was also the time period where travel itself was part of the vacation. Exactly. Which is not anymore, but like you would fly. Yeah, now it really is the pits. Yeah, now, now flying is like the last thing you have to do before the fun starts. Yeah. But I do know people. I remember there was this guy that I liked, and he didn't like me, and that's not really pertinent to the story, but <laughs> I think I'm still bothered. But anyway, he was going on a trip. So how's your husband, by the way? <laughs> He likes you, right? He likes me. Okay, well, right. he well, says he does. Well, Can do you, you ever really? really exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, we, I have a laptop that he's been using lately, and he created his own profile on the laptop, which I feel like is a bad idea because apparently it have, halves, I feel like I have to pronounce that halves, but it halves the memory, so mm. I just feel like let's just share. But anyway... Uh, I was is this your husband or the guy that you liked? You don't like this you? is my husband. I have okay. a story about that about okay. that guy too. Um, but anyway, this goes back to how do I know my husband really likes me? Okay. So okay. I was taking the computer. Hang on, everybody. We're I was taking there. the computer with me on this trip, and he's and I said, "Is it in your bag? Can I get it?" And he's like, "Hang on, I'll get it for you." And he's like, and he logged himself out before giving it to me. So of course, it's like, well, what didn't he want me to see? Oh, I, <laughs> so that doesn't end with you knowing how he likes you. No, it doesn't. That it ends, ends with, with a me question mark. Exactly. Okay, but, call your husband right now. <laughs> um, okay, so anyway, this guy, though, was going on a trip, and he was wearing flip-flops on the trip, and I remember him saying that, like, he was already in his pool outfit, basically, to get on the plane, and he was saying that the trip starts on the plane, and I thought that's completely not how I look at it. It's just not how it works. Not no. these yeah. days. And not these be really days. cold. Yeah, right. And also gross. Mm. Um, <laughs> there's an episode of uh, uh, Super Census Go where they do like full on 60s, 70s mm -hmm. air travel. And the meals are like steak and champagne. And the seats are gigantic. And you mostly just like sat on couches. 
Yes, they have pianos on planes right. and t- and double decker planes. Not Isn't anymore. that amazing? Now they're just trying to like cram as many people as possible in there. And kids no these days with their rock and roll and their hula hoops. Anyway. So, um, all the way up to the 1960s to today, uh, in 2006 are the last numbers that I have, which is 10 years old. I'm sorry. Um, so, imagine that, but 10 years more. 10 years right? more. Okay. Go on. Uh, the international tour receipts for the three most popular destinations, which in 2006 included France, Spain, and the U.S., uh, totaled... U.S.A. U.S.A. Totaled $179.7 billion. How much? $179.7 billion. It's a lot of dollars. That's a lot. It's a lot of dollars. No one's impressed, but that's a lot of money. Maybe they just can't fathom how much money. Yeah, I think that that hit the point. It was like $20, (laughs) but a lot more than that. (laughs) How much money do you all have in your wallets right now? Imagine that, but more. <laughs> Whoa. I'm uh, having a weed trip right now. Is that, what, <laughs> is that what you guys call it? A weed trip? A weed trip. <laughs> what you cool kids call I'm not a cop, I promise. So that concludes my historical section. Thank you. Hi, it's it's me, Travis. Well, Travis of the present. Um, you've just been listening to Travis and Teresa of the past. Um, we this is from our live show at San Francisco Sketchfest from I believe January fourteenth. And as you've already been li- listening to, is the amazing Allison Rosen uh, from Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Uh, we sure do hope you enjoyed it. Or are enjoying? We'll continue to enjoy it, I guess I should say. Um, This is going to be a two-parter because it ended up being almost an hour and a half long. So you're going to hear part one this week and part two next week. Um, And we do have some uh, advertisers that we want to write thank you notes for. But first, I want to say a big thank you note to the Joko Cruise for having us out. It went absolutely wonderfully. Um, and thank you to everybody who is there, to all the uh, attendees and the performers and the management and just everybody, the, the whole ship's crew. It was just an incredible experience. Um, and we wanted to encourage you uh, to, if you didn't already know, that Joko Cruise 2019 has already started booking. So you can go find out about that, jokocruise.com. I have no idea if we'll be on it again or not, but I wanted to promote it anyways because they were so nice and wonderful. So you can go find out about that at jococruise.com. Now to our actual advertisers. Did you know that most old school bra brands only carry 15 sizes? I had no idea. Well, at least I didn't before we started advertising for 3rd Love because 3rd Love offers 60 sizes. And that is a lot of sizes in cups AA through G, including half cup sizes, which I am also told is very rare. So it's because, according to Third Love, no one else does it. Uh, They use thousands of real women's measurements and super smoothing memory foam to create bras that fit better and feel great. You just answer a few simple questions from Third Love's Fit Finder quiz. It takes just 60 seconds, and you can do it all from the comfort of your home. 
Returns and exchanges are easy and free, so you don't have any reason not to go check out thirdlove.com. That's T-H-I-R-D-L-O-V-E.com slash schmanners. Find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash schmanners, thirdlove.com slash schmanners. I also want to tell you this week about uh, Squarespace. Squarespace, I'm a big fan of. I have a bunch of different websites that I've built on Squarespace, including McElroyShows.com, a place where you can go and find all the shows that we McElroys offer, including video uh, series. And here's the thing, Squarespace is super easy. I don't know anything about building a website. I never took any classes in coding or anything like that. But Squarespace is so intuitive, uh, straightforward, easy to use. I built a beautiful website in about an hour, um, and it's easy to change stuff I need. It's easy to add things to it. Um, it's really, really great. I'm really proud of it. Um, so if you've been looking to start your own website and you're looking for beautiful, customizable templates and uh, optimized for mobile right out of the box, uh, you can buy domains and choose over 200 extensions, free and secure hostings, and nothing to patch or upgrade ever. It's so cool. I'm a big fan of Squarespace. Go check them out at squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SHMANNERS, that's S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S, and you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com and the offer code SHMANNERS. Uh, we're going to get back to the rest of part one of Tourism with Allison Rosen. But first, here's a word from some other Max Fun shows. Oh, I almost forgot. We are going to be at Moon Tower Comedy Festival in Austin, Texas. Uh, it's going to be uh, on April 18th. You can get tickets if you go to bit.ly slash moontowerschmanners. Um, also, just so it's not too jarring, this episode is going to end without any kind of like, hey, go check out, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's because it's right in the middle of the, the the whole episode. So I just wanted to say thank you to Max Fun for hosting our show and so many other amazing shows that you should go check out. Thank you to Brent, Brent of Floss Black, who did our theme song. Uh, it's available for Ringtone, wherever those are sold. Thank you to Kayla M. Wassel, who did our uh, one of our images. Uh, thank you to Healy Weiss. Uh, who did our Schmanners banner on the Schmanners Fanners group that you can find on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at SchmannersCast, um, and you can email us, SchmannersCast at gmail.com. Okay, back to the episode. In a world dominated by dude bro movie podcasts, a world where Casey Affleck has an Oscar and Angela Bassett does not, only one podcast is brave enough to call bullshit who shot ya with ricky carmona a lot of people don't know porgs puerto rican alonzo duralde i would eat oak jaw <gasps> april wolf i want to interrupt and say yes. that the fish man was real sexy drea clark i have a real soft spot for king kong and women of color i was like damn I just felt like the film was so sour and so completely irrelevant to basically anything in life. Who shot you? Listen every Friday on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi. 
Hi, everybody. I'm Justin McElroy. And I'm Dr. Sydney McElroy. Every week, we release a medical history podcast called Sawbones. We go over the history of the dumbest, grossest, weirdest stuff humans have been doing to each other since the dawn of mankind. But it's a funny show. But it's also so disgusting and stomach-turning, you won't believe it. But it's also, like, <laughs> funny. It's funny. It is the wildest, grossest, nastiest stuff you can imagine. It's a real hoot. It's called Sawbones, and we release it every week on iTunes, wherever podcasts are sold, and right here on MaximumFun.org. So before, before I have some questions that people sit in, and then we'll go to that, but I do want to ask, so... Hmm. When you do tourist, what do you do? Like, what do you have a go-to? Like, I always look for the closest escape room. That <laughs> which is what like, Travis does. And then I it's get out of it. <laughs> I actually recently have been getting into escape rooms. Yeah, they're the yes. best. Yes, um, eh, I can take it or leave it. Really? Well, Teresa's not competitive. In the not even with time and challenge, mm-hmm. she doesn't like competing against herself to see if she'll win. She just uh, would rather just not, and I respect that. It's but, wrong, but <laughs> my friend Wendy, who appears on my podcast frequently, is such an escape room aficionado that the first time I went to an escape room wh- with her, um, or the first time I went, it was like the bazillionth time she had gone and I thought it was a perfectly fun escape room experience and then we got out and she explained that she didn't like the way the host ran the escape room hmm yeah so I didn't even realize there's all these different gradations of escape room yeah Um, so I am into escape rooms thus far I've only done them locally Mm -hmm. Um, so that's not the first thing I look for when I travel it's this this is the one touristy thing I have done here I often find myself wanting to know, where's the grocery store? Can we go there? (laughs) (laughs) To do what? Get get essentials that I need for the room. Okay, look. How long are you here? (laughs) Like, here specifically two nights. (laughs) I just feel more comfortable when I have some kind of diet soda on me. Maybe, I don't know. They have, I was hoping for some hard-boiled eggs, but they didn't have them. I have weird eating habits, and I feel comfortable in a grocery store. This is going over so well. Listen, I feel so comfortable. I, I completely understand. Thank you. One of the first things that we did was go to Walgreens. That is, that is true. Uh, because it is such a hassle to travel with a million diapers. Mm-hmm. Babies need diapers like... Five or six times a day. Can you I mean, less if you can get by with their screaming. You know what I mean. And so when <laughs> please, please don't take my baby away from me. <laughs> that was just a joke. When we're here for such a long time, I don't want to pack a, like a whole box of diapers. So we went. We went to Walgreens, and of course, we found more stuff that we needed. Yeah, it's the best. So I enjoy shopping for things that I could get at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I think restaurants is a thing that I, you know, like, oh, where should we go? It's different now that we have a baby mm-hmm. in right. that we don't travel. But <laughs> um, before, I don't know, museums. Because mm-hmm. um, I like to go to museums so that then five minutes later I can be like, okay, I'm bored, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and I I'm always surprised. It. Every time I do it, I'm shocked that I just don't have the attention span at that moment yeah. for it. I, think I that's really why thought I like, would. I think that's why we like aquariums because at least they're moving. 
Yeah. And, and also, across the street from every aquarium is a seafood restaurant. So <laughs> I, I also enjoy that. So you know that. it's fresh. Well, and because I look at the fish and I'm like, oh, that's beautiful. I want to eat that. Right. I think I heard a groan. Nice. Nice. I enjoy musical theater. If you're at a destination that has that, uh-huh. specifically New York. Vegas also has good I theater. did see Cirque du Soleil for the first time in Vegas uh, like a year and a half ago. And I see? got super into it for a couple of days. Just a, <laughs> just a side note, everyone. Uh, stop what you're doing right now, either listening at home or here in the audience, and go to Twitter and follow Cirque du Soleil. Because it is the greatest decision I've ever made in my life. Because I'm scrolling through my timeline and it's like political news. Oh no, this terrible person did a terrible thing. That person's flipping all around. What's going on? <laughs> I know. It's a ma- it's like oh, it's a frog it's a man. What is this? And then you're back to political news. It's just a great break. I do that and I follow extreme restraints, which are the two weirdest. What's extreme restraints? It was a sponsor for my brother. My it brother knew for a long, it is long time. An adult store. Wow, it's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. This is quite a tangent we find ourselves on. It really is. <laughs> one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite weird kind of touristy uh, culture shocking moments. Uh, one, well, uh, two from this trip. So we went to Scotland for our honeymoon, and like the first night we were there, um, we had no idea uh, how tipping worked. So like we went to this bartender and we're like, how does tipping work here? Of, of- a bartender who was not busy at all yeah. because I would never ask someone to explain <laughs> explain their customs to me when they were hey, actually hey, trying to... Hey, hey, stop helping people! Yeah. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> he, it happened to be an empty bar where he was doing that thing where you clean the glasses. And, and ask like, you about your troubles, you know? <laughs> and we said, have tipping, right? And he was like, uh, well, you don't really do that. He's like, what, what we do here is like you buy a drink for the bartender. He's like, but you really only do that if like you know the bartender and have some sort of like pre-established relationship with them. Otherwise, it's incredibly presumptuous. He said, you can tip if the person has just really gone above and beyond, but you do not need to, and it should not be just like a knee-jerk thing. Or it because be they have a living wage. Yeah. <laughs> and so we did tip him for that information, and he was very nice. Yes. Um, and then, but my favorite one was so we'd been in Scotland for like mm, a week and a half at this point. Hi. Are you going to tell a lot of stories about Scotland? Because I have to pee. Okay. Yeah. You go pee, and I'll tell the. <laughs> so. I envy that freedom. Yeah. This is the thing we start doing on my brother, my brother, and me too. We do live shows, and we start to be like, "Oh, how are we to cover it up?" And I are just like, "I gotta go to the bathroom." <laughs> I love it. I'm going to start doing it's that. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so we went to Scotland. I'll tell you now. Okay. <laughs> so we went to Scotland, and we'd been there for like a week and a half, and uh, one day it was like, oh, it's about to start pouring the rain. And we're like, oh, you know what we'll do? The internet was out in like the place we were staying, uh, but there was like a DVD player in our room. And we'll, we'll go into town, this tiny little village, get some DVDs, and just like get a bunch of snack food and DVDs and just watch and really take in Scotland. Just really take in Scotland. <laughs> and so, well, we basically, a week and a half, we'd done it. We'd seen it all. Yeah. Um, and so we walked into town, and it was a very small village. It was like one main street that had like a church, a bar, a bakery, a butcher, candlestick maker. <laughs> no, and, and like a bank. Apothecary. And like that was like, and there was like a newsstand store and like a toy store, uh, like for, for kids. You know, toys. Mm. Oh, and not then, extreme restraints. Not extreme restraints. 
And then at the end of the lane was a gas station. So like we went into basically every store like looking for DVDs. Finally, we got to the gas station at the end of the street, and we're like, "Where can we get some DVDs?" And the woman goes, "DVDs, uh, DVDs." <laughs> um, you know, I think there's an electronic store about two hours from here. <laughs> And we're like, okay, never mind. And it's just the weirdest thing of like, where are we? What is going on? DVDs. Oh. oh. It was just the weirdest, like, I didn't think that was a tough one. Um, and now Teresa's back. Thank you. That was some real fast peeing. I know what I'm about. <laughs> I'm impressed. Hey, do we have any questions? We do! Uh, This question comes from at Spooky Sad Girl. I love having to read people's Twitter handles. Is it rude to tell other tourists that they're being disrespectful? I've seen tourists touch, sit on sacred statues, but wasn't sure if it was my place to tell them what they're doing is offensive. I actually saw this yesterday at the aquarium. Mm -hmm. They have all these really lovely... Uh, carvings of people who have very, been very influential in the world of like oceanography and uh, Jean-Jacques Cousteau. Yes. And this dude's just walking by just like touched the face and kept walking like, what are you doing? It was behind a rope and he reached over the rope like he was like cursing it. <laughs> and, then he kept, and I said cursing, not caress. Like I know what I said. <laughs> and then kept walking and he didn't even stop to admire it. He like did it as he passed by, and I thought he like wiped his gum on it or something. I had no idea. <laughs> Anyways, is it rude to tell someone, "Hey, you're being disrespectful"? Um. Okay. So I'm gonna say, Emily Post says that one should lead by example and not correct others in public. I spent 15 years as a lifeguard, um, so I'm very used to correcting people in public. <laughs> And what I would suggest is if you absolutely must, if you cannot hold it in, and I understand the impulse, (laughs) if you cannot hold it in, use positive language in the same way that a lifeguard doesn't scream, no running. They scream, walk, please. Wait, lifeguards don't scream, no running? It is uh, 50-50. It's not always as effective, but it's always nice. Because that involves them being like, oh, I get what you're telling me. In your polite way, thank you, I'm going to slow down. It's always nicer, and you get... Um, I would say that the there's diminishing returns, right? So the first walk, please, as a lifeguard, always gets their attention, but mm-hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't always, you know, the next third, fourth, fifth time, then it doesn't work so much, and you have to then scream have to no running. Uh, you, anyway... <laughs> Um, but if you if you use if you use positive language, in the way of um, please respect the statue or it's a spiritual place, please remember that things like that um, are more effective and they put people less on the defensive. Uh, but that's really only if you just can't help yourself because you really probably shouldn't say anything to anybody. You should lead by example. Counterpoint. Um, and wait a second, if there is. <laughs> If there is a curator, uh, please feel free to discuss with them. <gasps> Tattletale. Yeah. So satisfying, you guys. Discuss with them. Say, uh, there, there, there might be a group of people you want to keep your eye on. 
And then but point at them. You don't have to say yeah. any specific language, but just draw their attention to the people who are misbehaving. What's your counterpoint? You should tell them all the time. No, um, I, I, I think it depends on, I, I would respond different, well, I, I would not respond because I am a social coward, but <laughs> I would like to think I would respond in two different ways. If, if I saw someone being uh, like ignorantly disrespectful, like walking on something they're not supposed to, I, I think then I, I actually wouldn't realize, like, I don't, I don't think we're supposed to walk there. Not like you're not supposed to walk there, but hey, we're all in this experience together. I, I'm not an expert, but I, I don't think we're supposed to be doing that. But if I saw someone being maliciously disrespectful, like say filming a thing somewhere that they shouldn't and making jokes about something that they shouldn't and being <laughs> just a real turd about it. Is that topical? I don't know. I'm being general. I think in that circumstance, we should all be a little bit more protective and not wait for somebody else to say something. Um, and I, I, just as a rule in general, this is something that I'm trying to live by of not waiting for an adult to do something about mm. it, but instead realizing like, oh wait, I'm the adult, um, and saying something rather than saying the, seeing the person do something maliciously terrible and not do anything about it. I would like to amend this statement, and I do want to make sure that we are not encourage anyone to put their life in danger. No, no, no. If no. you feel that this is a dangerous situation, please don't say anything. Contact an authority. But if if not, if you feel safe doing it, then yeah. I think if you that's see someone right. being a jerk to somebody, saying like, "Hey, cut it out." Nobody that's thinks not that's cool. funny. You're a jerk. <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> And I think that this ties in really well with um, something that Peggy Post said, which uh, she is... She was the least popular Post daughter. No. no. She is uh, the current curator of the Emily Post Institute. Uh, She says that when you travel, you need to keep respect front and center. Um, So whether you are dealing with a taxi driver or your host or anyone that you might encounter, uh, you want to make sure that you're creating a harmonious environment and representing where you're from graciously uh next that is not how i travel at all (laughs) i'm Uh just saying i'm never like i'm an emissary from los angeles and uh i respect you and it's front and center i just travel as an emissary for travis (laughs) that's good i represent travis and have you heard about travis (laughs) i have some pamphlets i'd like you to take a look at uh this is from amanda which one's better being blatantly touristy and just putting it out there or trying your best to seem like a normal person from the area. There's a, there's a line, I think, that you need to straddle, um, especially if you are going to a country that um, has a different, for example, dress code. Uh, maybe you're in Europe and people in Europe don't often wear shorts. Uh, it's a, a more of a business casual vibe that they give off. Um, so you want to try and dress to blend in a little better there, or if you're visiting a predominantly um, a Muslim country, you want to make sure that you are abiding by their traditions in that way. In a respectful way, in a respectful not way. in an appropriative way. Yes. Uh, we w- oh, you okay. can applaud. All right. He likes it. You can applaud. This is a live show. <laughs> I welcome response from the crowd. So you want to consider your local customs, but I don't think that you need to go incognito and pretend that you live there. 
um, especially if it's a, a place that does not share the same uh, language as you. It's important to learn a little bit of the language so it shows that you are, you're trying, you're attempting, and a lot of people will feel more apt to help you if they think that you're trying to meet them halfway. Uh, instead of screaming at them in English. Don't if they do don't that. speak English, don't do That's that. That's not a good em emissary for no. Travis. <laughs> no. <laughs> Travis wouldn't do that. So I think that this idea of, of a couple of steps in that direction really helps, but there's no reason to try and pretend that you are a local and you live there, because you'll be found out very quickly. <laughs> and... Uh, and that's not a good look. So, so just do the best that you can and and go a little further. I, I also think, as, as far as like events and stuff go, don't be too cool for school. If there's a weird fun thing and you your friends want to do it and you want to do it, do it. Like a street fair or yeah, something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Or like maybe you find like a spy themed bar and you go to that because that's awesome. We found a spy themed bar. Where was that? That was in Milwaukee, I believe. Yeah, it was fun bar. Really sick. Um, in what ways was it spy themed? So you had to go through a secret entrance to get into it. That's cool. Um, there were hidden rooms as you went through the bar. Um, all the drinks were spy themed. Um, they had really good cheese curds. Um, <laughs> there was uh, two separate sections of it, and one was like uh, invisible. One was invisible, and you were just outside. <laughs> uh, no, one was like... Uh, Spy, uh, not superhero. Yes. It was... Uh, I like confused them. American, <laughs> British, and the other side was Russian. And like the rooms were themed appropriately, and it was That's really very cool. James Bond. Style. Yeah, it was yeah. very James Bond-based. Um, Can I tell you that I used to think the way spying worked was that spies would like just go to another country and then try to overhear conversations. <laughs> I think that's ninety percent of it. It is right. That's it's like they hold a glass up to a door. That's how they do it in the movies. What? That's that's how they do it in the movies. And then you judo chop somebody. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.